This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound. So you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek Ciapala with the Angels Podcast Summit. That means on the line we have Dan Garcia from the All Angels Podcast and Taylor Blake Ward from Locked On Angels. We're going to go through the entire 2019 season. We're going to go through the farm system for agency all in this three-part. I think it'll be three-part. We'll find out. Podcast Summit. The first we've ever done. Hopefully not the last. Hopefully we won't take each other off. But we're going to start Dan. Dan, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thank you for having me back on. How are you doing? It's a wonderful day full of joy and cheer. The Rams won. That's a nice way to end the weekend. I mean, I know Taylor doesn't care, but, you know, oh well. <laughs> but I care. I care enough. <laughs> Taylor Blackmore, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good, man. It's. Uh, I think uh, I actually might be a little colder here than where you are, surprisingly. So uh, I'm doing all right. Just bundled up and slowly figuring out what to do with myself now that NASCAR and baseball are done. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. How cold is it out where you are? It is 36, uh, according to the dash. Nah, we still got you beat. All right. We enough. still got you beat. <laughs> All right. Trying to show up the guy in the northeast. All right. No okay. Kidding. So, folks, the format here. Each show is going to take one section. I'm going to be covering the, the minor leagues with these guys. These guys are the minor league podcast experts. They've done a great job the last couple of years, especially TBW and Dan, getting guys on their show, getting to know the Angels of minor leagues through the in and outs. And so I want to just hammer them questions and hopefully we'll put together a good show with that. Then we'll move over to the next show, part two, part three. So make sure you make the rotation to each podcast so that you can get preach part of the summit. Before we go, so I want you to know that we are just getting started here. We're only seven months old. We're the, we're the young buck of the podcast here, I guess. But Folks, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe over at Apple Music or anywhere you can find podcasts. We'd really appreciate a five-star review. If you want to give us some feedback instead, instead of being me and giving us a one-star, email us at talkinghills.com. Give us your feedback. We'd really appreciate it. Also, tell you flat out, there are a lot of baseball teams with some crappy podcasts or no podcasts at all. You have at least three good ones here at the Angels. Go check out all of them. Spread the word. Share them out. That's Talking Halos, All Angels, and of course, Locked on Angels. So here we go, guys. You ready? Let's do it. 
Yeah. All right. Here, here we go. Oh, boy. The minor <laughs> leagues. When the year began, 2019, the Angels had actually moved up into most farm system rankings between, between around 12 to 15, okay? And later on in the year, the team system fell due to various factors. We've talked about it before, but we're, we're going to kind of rehash from here a little bit. What caused that fall in 2019, and where do you guys rank the Angels' farm system entering the offseason? We're going to start with TBW. I mean, obviously graduations have their impact, but every team should be having graduations with their farm system. I think something that the Angels saw is that they didn't have graduations for a while there. I mean, obviously Taylor Ward came in, um, but it's kind of the, the primary guys. You know, you, suddenly you're seeing Griffin Canning, Luis Renjifo, and others kind of come up, Matt Theis come up. So graduations have their impact, but every team has to deal with that. The thing that I noticed with the Angels is there was a very little regression with the guys at the top. I mean, there's obviously Jam Jones who had a down statistical year, but according to scouts, according to guys that kind of see this guy play a little bit more and more, um, it's not like he had any major regression. So it's not like the Angels really lost anything because the organization stayed pretty pat with, you know, they still have Griffin Canning. They still have Luis Renjifo. Um but, you know, you add Will Wilson in and you add Kyron Paris. The draft this year was kind of, it wasn't great. Uh, I'm not saying it was, you know, for the Angels. I'm talking in general it wasn't great except for maybe the top three, four, five picks there. So it's not like you really boosted the farm system out of nowhere with the draft and international signings. But, you know, and it also takes time, especially with those international signings. I think that if I were to say where the Angels are right now, I would say that they're just in the just in the lower tier the lower half of baseball um i'll have a full ranking system out in time but i would say right around that 20 mark you know maybe give or take one or two spots so i'd say 18 to 22 roughly uh would be kind of my kind of my opinion um i think there's guys that are going to be some surprises i think that you're going to start seeing a little bit more pitching um and obviously having the number 10 overall pick in next year's draft is really going to help them um but prospect rankings it's you know i mean it's great for the fans and it's kind of something it's information that you like to have but as long as that talent keeps coming through and it keeps uh helping the entire organization i think it's a positive and i think the angels are all right right now i'm not saying they're in a great hands but they're doing okay dan yeah, I mean, I totally could uh, agree. Uh, I mean, you look at the top two guys, obviously, with Adele and Marsh. But after that, you see a lot of younger guys in Orem. And, you know, besides Jordan Adams, who just recently, towards the end of the year, got brought up to the Inland Empire. But a lot of these guys are younger in their development, younger in the uh, in, in the uh, on the team and stuff like that. So, you know, I think right now, waiting for those young guys to develop is probably one of the reasons why they're ranked where they are. But I agree. It's probably, yeah. 20, 19, 18, somewhere around there is definitely, I think, a fair rating, especially like we will, what everyone was mentioning with the graduations of some big names like a, uh, like a Canning and, and uh, Renjifo and all those guys. But uh, obviously, obviously the farm system is in a lot better situation than it was, you know, even probably three, four years ago. So uh, they're adding talent, adding depth, which is something the Angels obviously has, haven't had in, you know, in, in years under DePoto and then when their system was probably one of the worst in baseball for a long time. So, Dan, how do you evaluate Joe Adele at this point? I mean, he moved to the farm system pretty quickly, especially when coming back from injury. He's been doing pretty well over international play as well. And now of Calhoun moving on, at least by the looks of it, when do you expect him on the 25-man roster? 
You know, I, Joe has just showed up anywhere you put him, whether it's, whether it's the Fall League. Um, he did great there. We actually went down there to watch a game, and, an actual, and he was actually able to hit a home run that game out in Mesa. But uh, he's done really well in all these kind of like extra, like you said, in the uh, international play, the Arizona Fall League. Um, it'll be interesting to see how good his spring is and, and if the Angels go the route of a lot of teams nowadays where they manipulate the the, the, um, the timeline to get that extra year at the end of the contract. So, But I think eventually, you know, when you look back at the 2020 season, barring any certain type of injury, he'll probably have the most at-bats in that right field at the end of the year. Um, a matter of time until he gets brought up. It's You know, obviously it's like that saying, it's a matter of if, not when. Uh, or when, not if, but uh, yeah, I think Joe's done absolutely anything, everything he can to show you know the Angels that he's ready for that next level, ready for that um, that big stage coming up in the 2020 season. Taylor, yeah, I mean, when we think back to when Joe was drafted, there was a big question on um, his swing and miss if he was you know if he was ever going to be able to hit his way even into AAA, and now he's in AAA as a 21 year old. That's Second year pro, it's insane to think about his progression through the the farm system, and like you said, or like Dan was saying, you know, he shows up, he performs very well wherever he's gone, whether it's uh, Tempe, you know, Arizona Fall League, uh, if it's on the international uh, scale with Team USA. When it comes to him kind of being added to this twenty five man roster, I think Dan really hit it well. Is you know, let him play out through spring. And don't worry about the the statistical performance, but see how he's going up against, you know, you're going to see him go up against uh, Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke, or maybe not uh, not those guys because they're in Florida, but, you know, he's going to go up against major league talent and see how he fares against this major league talent to really dictate where he's going to be. Is he look lost at the plate against these guys? Is he look okay, but he's still striking out? You got to figure that out. And then, as for if he's going to be on opening day, you know, obviously if, if he's the best option to move forward and he's worth the extra wins that are going to put you in the playoffs, the angels aren't going to hold him back. But you know, you have this service time manipulation that you can use as an extra year of control and also allow some development in the triple I think that's what we're going to see. And I, I don't think it's going to be for service time manipulation. I think that Joe Adele does need just a little bit more time in triple Didn't get a lot of reps there. Um, and I think that's going to be a really telling sign as to when he's going to be up, when he's going to be someone that the Angels see as part of, uh, you know, I, saying this, I don't think the Angels are going to call Joe Adele up and then send him back to AAA Salt Lake. I think that he is going to be up for good. So they want to make sure that he is the finished product when he comes up or, you know, at least at the mark of being a finished product in his minor league development and then grow into the major league role. So that's sort of like what Mike Trout, when they brought Mike Trout up, that was for good. They weren't sending him back down. They weren't, at least one we weren't trying to anyways. When they got him up in, was it 2012? 2012, whatever that, that 2011. Was and he, spring, he yeah. played about 40 games roughly. Um, and he did maneuver just a little bit. And then 2012, he came up, you know, and obviously became the best player in baseball. Yeah. When we came in 2012, there's no question at that point, he's not going back down. There's, that was not going to happen. And, I get the sense that even with letting Calhoun go, that that's probably a similar plan. If they can survive with Goodwin out there or another body, maybe Calhoun cheaper. I guess we'll, we'll talk about that later maybe. Uh, I got to think that they're going to be careful with, well, one, making sure they don't mess him up. What if you bring him up too early and, and it sets him back some? Why would you want to do that? So I guess he has to, in my view, he has to blow it up in spring training. 
against major league hitting in order for him to make the roster from the very get-go. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, he's going to have to put some kind of spring training together where it's it's impossible for the Angels to ignore it and be like, no, no, we're going to keep him here in AAA for, you know, whatever, a couple weeks, a month or whatever. But I, I think, yeah, it's going to come down to spring training and, and kind of like what Taylor was saying, how he does against major league quality uh, pitchers. And the one thing I noticed about Joe, too, um, even in the fall league, you know, he – does time kind of get off to slow starts, but once he starts going, he, he does seem to pick up speed really quickly. Um, so, I mean, at least for that first couple of weeks of spring training, I wouldn't look anything into the stats at all. And then once he starts really start getting, a, a, you know, a handful of bats and games uh, under his belt and really see how he's going to do there. But even in the fall league, I think he started, oh, for – God, I want to say like 18 or one for 19 or something like that crazy. And then he ended up blowing up and, and doing what he's in the fall league and continued it over for Team USA. But, yeah, he's going to have to put a, a killer spring together, make the Angels kind of uh, not able to ignore the, the production that he's been able to do in the spring uh, training this year in Tempe. And, and going along with that, you know, he's going to see guys like uh, Mike Clevenger and uh, – uh, <laughs> Who's the other guy there? Uh, Corey Kluber, you know. Um, he's going to be seeing guys like this. He may go off and hit 400 in spring training, but if it's against guys that are playing in double-A, he should be doing that, and he should be performing at that level. If he's hitting home runs off of high-A pitchers, because you see that in spring training, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. But if he's doing something where he goes and sees a an eight-pitch at bat against Mike Clevenger, and he strikes out, but he looked good in that at bat, that's something that's going to go a lot further than him hitting a home run off of some high A pitcher. So really, you just can't look at the statistics when he goes out and plays in spring training, but you can watch him against high caliber arms and really understand where he is uh, developmentally. Speaking of developmentally, I'm talking now across the board. I know you guys are both really big into the minor leagues, and the Angels had several staffing moves this offseason. What do you make of these staffing moves and was there a decision that caught your eye? I'm going to start with Dan. Um, nothing that really caught my eye. I mean, Taylor would probably be better to speak about the staffing part of it um, and who they have as far as, as coaching what and, and, and all that stuff. But nothing really – there wasn't a move where, I, where my eyebrows raised and was kind of like, wait, what's going on? But again, like I said, Tyler would probably be a better uh, – Taylor would be a better uh, person to talk to with that. I think that there's still a lot of moves to be made. I still think that we're going to see a lot of things that happen down on the farm. Um, but I think that losing certain guys would be a step backwards and gaining certain guys can be a step forward. So it all depends on who comes in. Um, obviously, Tony LaRusa coming in and being a part of development is going to be a nice asset to have. But, you know, David Newhan, I believe, isn't returning to double A. Um, I think that Lou Marson, if he does return with triple A, which I believe he's expected to, that is a huge gain to have. Lou Marson, such an important person in the organization. Um, you know, it, it kind of continues to change. You see Brian ben, Bethencourt, um, and, and it continues. Uh, but when they're bringing on these driveline guys, and they did lose someone, and I'm, I hate saying this because I forgot his name, Brian. Ah, but he ended up, you know, Kyle Kyle Bodie down in um, it was Cincinnati, kind of started stripping some of his driveline guys and. It all makes sense, but uh, losing some guys with that kind of knowledge and seeing um, 
I, I can't believe I forgot his name. Orem's pitching coach. Uh, do you remember Dan? I'm so sorry. I, I'm no, spacing not, right now. Not off the top of my head, I do not. Yeah, but I mean, he made guys like Shane Kelso and Connor Higgins and um, uh, Dazon Cole. You know, these guys that were third-day draft picks, relievers in college, nothing really there. And suddenly we're talking about them as guys that could be on the depth chart in a year or two. Um, Jeremy Beasley, Isaac Matson, the pitching for as much as people say the angels don't have pitching on their farm system, the angels pitching development has done a great job. And I got to credit Matt Weiss on that. And I believe he's going to stay with the organization, but Matt Weiss and his staff, just such a great job and working through development. And I think that that's a really key asset. Um, but I, I do want to wait until announcements are fully made before we really do break down what's going to happen. Um, it doesn't sound like a lot of moves, but a fair amount. They did get Bo Martino. They Bo Martino. From, Bo Martino from Stephen F. Austin. I uh, see with him, he's got the drive thing going with him. He's in the development, so that was a person they just picked up for their pitching staff in the minor leagues. Um, still has some work to do with him. He's a one-base U certification. Okay. So, I mean, that's... Not, not ringing a bell, but, you know, it, sadly... Uh, as much as as much as we love the minor leagues, and I, I'm not going to speak for Dan here, but I just I don't know everybody, and when they come in, it's tough to, uh, you know, you got to see them firsthand to really understand what they're doing with these guys. I mean, Jeremy Reed just a few years ago was sitting back working with Jemai Jones on a swing, and then what was it, two years or you know, just a year later, he's the Angels hitting coach, <laughs> and he's still the hitting coach. Yep, still the hitting coach. <laughs> still the hitting coach. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, just, I don't know. I don't know what to make of all these, you know, the different moves. You, like you're talking about getting some of those guys leached away when they have made progress with the pitching in the minor league system. Just something to keep an eye on, I guess. It's a concern for me when you're losing guys who are making an impact. If that makes sense. Yeah, and you know sometimes these opportunities are better. Maybe they're telling these guys, "Hey, you come to our organization, we're going to put you in AAA, or we're going to put you at a higher level, or a, a better position, or we're going to pay better." It's just how it goes, you know. And these things happen yearly. Um, you see it happen all the time. I mean, Brent Del Chiaro was one of the best minor league hitting coaches you could find. And he's out there working with Mike Trout and Cole Calhoun, and then he's working with Caleb Cowart and turning his career around, turning him into a major leaguer. Um, obviously, you know, Caleb hasn't turned out to be what we, was expected, but he went from a guy that was maybe going to be released to a guy that saw the majors just a few months after. So these things happen, and it happens every year. But, Dan, I don't know, you know, do you agree with this? or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, especially in the minor league system, I think you're always trying to figure out what works and how you know players uh take to the coaching stuff like that but it's not you know everyone's trying to look for the next step up you know kind of like what you were saying was uh you know maybe he, they got offered a job in, in a higher division or higher you know there's a higher uh, title so uh, you know knowing a couple people in and again different sport but in college coaching at the at the lower like division three levels they're always kind of looking for that next step up whether or not it's a great fit from where they're at now but if something comes along and now they can jump up to a Division two, Division one college, they're going to take that. And I'm assuming, I don't want to say for sure, but I'm guessing it's the same way when you're in an organization and, and maybe you are in a single-A kind of or double-A uh, manager, but you get offered a triple-A kind of coaching position, then why not jump at it? Well, I mean, uh, look 
just you know staying local with this, we look at Eric Valenzuela, who was up at St. Mary's, had a great job. You know, his development of pitchers at St. Mary's was so fantastic. He's getting guys that are getting drafted all over the place, and suddenly he has an offer from Long Beach State to be the head coach. I mean. <laughs> I would happily go from St. Mary's to Long Beach State, and it has nothing to do. I, I respect St. Mary's, but, you know, suddenly Long Beach State's your opening. Heck, yeah, I'm going for it. So it just right. depends on where your position's going to be. And we don't know in terms of what even the organizational philosophy is going to be now. Will it, how much will it change under a new manager, general manager combination at the major league level? Will things filter down to the minor league level, or are they set in their philosophy? I so my, I I think you've talked about that with me a couple of times, Taylor, about where they are philosophy wise. Or do you expect any changes? I don't know. Um, you know, these things kind of come from the front office. So if that front office stays intact, I think that's kind of the plan of how they're going to build. But Joe Madden has obviously come out and said that he wants guys playing the Angels' way. So maybe we are going to see some things that are different, that are you know a little bit more aggression on the base paths. We're going to see. Um, you know, certain things, maybe they're more aggressive at the plate instead of uh, eyeballing certain pitches. It, it all depends. Uh, the Angels are big on hot zones for a while there, uh, waiting out your pitch. But, you know, we don't know what – I think we have to wait out, and I don't think that we can just have this information within a few weeks of the minor league season. I think this takes a year, a year and a half. All right, so before we move on, do want to go ahead and let you know you're looking for sponsors. We're always looking for sponsors. So reach out to us at talkinghillsgmail.com if you like what we're doing. Help us keep the lights on here so we can welcome guests like Taylor and Dan, hopefully over to the crib one day. I do want to ask you about the prospects to watch for this spring. I know we're not getting too far ahead, but coming off the end of the season last year, we saw some guys making some moves in the minors. I'm going to start with Taylor. Who are your prospects to watch this spring, and who also might surprise us? You know what? I actually want to start with Dan on this. Because I, I want to see where he goes compared to where I go. Oh, All right, there we you're go. Punting. I'm, you're punting. I'm this one. You pun I'm the punting. football. I'm absolutely punting. There we go. We got an audible at the line. Um, so I, one guy that uh, moved up the uh, moved up the system quite a bit last season was Isaac Matson. I got to talk to him a little bit on our podcast and, and a little bit at uh, Arizona Fall League. But you know, he's a guy that I think could eventually I don't I wouldn't say at the beginning of the year but maybe halfway through the season you know injuries happen or you know you have another 19 inning game and you need to get some fresh arms in there he finished the season with the uh, triple uh, a salt lake you know again he went from double, uh, from single a to double a and then finished in triple a so he's working his way up to the system um, I really like what I see with him and and a guy that I think isn't on the angels top 30 right now from pipeline but i think a guy that could um, definitely pop in there and make a kind of a surprise appearance next year and in, in uh, with the angels bullpen at, at some point next year you took my guy i should have gone first <laughs> there you go um, no i should have gone first um I'll, I'll stay on the same kind of window here i'll go with two guys uh jeremy beasley is a guy that actually might be on um it might be on Pipeline's top 30 there. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Beasley, yep, very similar kind of guy. You know, uh, I put out a video of him and Kevin Quackenbush, very similar profiles, throwing that low mid-90s with a, a big old splitter and slider combo. Um, so I think he's a guy. And I'm going to add uh, Ollie Ortega, Oliver Ortega. I think he's going to be added to the 40-man here this winter, uh, protect him from the Rule 5. Um, just 
electric stuff. And all he has to do is just refine his command just enough, and he's going to be something special. Likely a bullpen arm, but he's been a starter this whole way through his career. Um, and then another guy is Adrian DeHorta. Very similar. Great stuff. Uh, he's a little bit further advanced. He's in AAA here. And I think that he's a guy that could come out of spring training and really win a job out. So I think we're all just sticking with kind of relief pitchers here. Um, but I, I, position players, I mean, I think Jose Rojas is the very obvious one. Um, but maybe a guy like Taylor Ward can turn the corner a little bit and he can be that guy or uh, Michael Hermosillo can suddenly turn the corner again and, and be what he kind of was expected to be. And maybe you're platooning him and Brian Goodwin until Joe Adele arrives. But, uh, yeah, I think I think pitching, relief pitching, is kind of where we're going to st- sit here on. It's weird for me because I'm not even thinking about that. I th- I'm thinking the Angels are going to just dig wherever to get relief pitching this offseason, where they can find it cheap and, and decent. I'm I'm looking more at a guy like Will Wilson. What can we expect him to do as he's moving through the system. I want to see how he comes out this spring. But the one who I'm thinking might surprise us a bit, and I guess I want to ask you guys about it because I'm curious, was Taylor Ward? Is he ever going to hit that point where we're not shaking our head going, what should have been? Is Taylor Ward capable of being an everyday outfielder in the major leagues? Or is it about time to let him go? I don't know. Um, I mean, it's not for a lack of effort on Taylor's part. I mean, he's gone from catcher to third base to left field um it's just finding a defensive position for him when he was drafted though it was an overdraft first rounder he was expected to go in the second round if even the second round um he ended up you know he wasn't like this guy that was suddenly going to hit and you know it was more about his defense and now that he's not a catcher his value is kind of in a weird spot um he works so hard to to put in the works, not only defensively, but at the plate. And obviously, we're seeing what he's doing in AAA. His numbers are insane, uh, same as a lot of guys. But he came up, you know, numbers in AA were great. Numbers in AAA were great. Hits the majors. It's an entirely new level. And we're seeing the gap between performing at AAA and being a major leaguer. It's a very wide gap. Um, for Taylor, though, just he was never expected to be a hitter. And he was expected to kind of be a catcher. And now that he's not a catcher, now it's like, oh, well, he's got to hit his way and he's putting up these great numbers. That's just not the case. So, I, I, you know, obviously I'm a huge Taylor Ward fan. I have the same name as the guy, you know. I, I chose that. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. But, you know, I'm a huge Taylor Ward guy. But at the same time, just I don't think that he's the caliber of guy. And he can go out and show us all that he is and – you know, prove me wrong, prove all kinds of guys wrong, and I'd be more than happy to hear about that. But right now, I just don't see how Taylor Ward's anything more than a bench piece. Yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking, too, is that, you know, he's been working really hard playing, like you mentioned, three positions, catcher, uh, you know, third base, and now the outfield. So he's definitely trying to get out there any way he can, wherever he thinks he can get a spot. But, you know, when he had that great season, I believe it was last year before they brought him up the first time, uh, Johnny, my co-host, and I were kind of wondering, like, you know, should the Angels maybe, even if it wasn't a lot, maybe trade high on him because we weren't necessarily sold on him. You know, again, you hear from the fans, you hear from people saying, like, uh, mostly fans, that, oh, this is the next, you know, Angels starting third baseman and this and that. And then you were just kind of looking at each other, not completely convinced of that and wondering if it would have been a smart move for the Angels while, you know, all the hype was going on and he was killing it in triple a but and but hadn't produced in the majors yet and that was still the kind of unknown why not 
trade when the unknown, you know, you can kind of sell it as, hey, you know, he could look at his numbers. Maybe it translates, maybe not. So now that the fact that it kind of looks like, as of right now at least, and again, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, that it's not really converting over to the major league level, you know, I'm just kind of stuck to see where you put him because the outfield has plenty of talent coming up. I mean, the first three guys in the pipeline top 30 for the Angels are all outfielders, and then now you have kind of a a weird situation at third base, you know. So I, I, I... Again, I guess the more position he plays, the better opportunity he has to be a utility guy off the bench, um, can play a different position every day of the week kind of deal, and, and you know, see how it goes from there. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how he's going to be able to fit in with the Angels or if he, you know, long-term fits in with the Angels. Now, speaking of the outfitters, though, what's your take on Brandon Marsh, Dan? Is he someone – because he's been someone we've heard trade rumors about here and there, whispers that he might be used yeah. in a package. Is he trade bait or – is he part of the Angels' future long term? I just, I you know, personally, because I know him pretty well, I, I hope he's with the Angels long term. Uh, talked to him a handful of times. Talked to him at, at the fall league, um, but I've always been, even before I really got to know him personally, was really high on Brandon. I think um, Taylor and myself, I think Johnny, were all at a game at the Allen Empire. I think when he first got brought up, and I mentioned to him like, "Wow, I really." You know, all this talks about Joe, and rightfully so, but I'm like, I, I really like this Marsh guy. And, and I think he's he's defensively, he's really good. He won defensive uh, minor league player last spring. Um, you know, he his defense, I think, is, is going to translate right away no matter when he gets brought up. Um, I hope he's not a trade piece. I hope he stays with the Angels, but, you know, you never know. But a lot of GMs now are really valuing their young assets a little bit more than they have maybe in the past and, and are more likely to hold on to them because of the controllability of the contract and all that stuff. But, you know, uh, hopefully he finds his way out into the Angels outfield. I hope he doesn't get traded. But if he does, you know, hopefully it's it's for some some kind of big return and some kind of uh, obviously pitching would be the, the number one uh, target. But, you know, I, I, like the, I like the idea of Joe – uh, you know, Mike and Brandon in the outfield and, you know, next year or next couple of years. Taylor? Yeah, I mean, the reports on him. So with Brandon Marsh, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was just like, this guy can hit, he can field, he's going to be excellent, but he really needs to swing with intent and kind of tap into his power. His power just out of nowhere, just boom, it's there. And this is real power. I mean, it's average above average power. Um, when it comes to the Angels parting ways with them, I just I think the Angels see it as you know what we may have too many good pieces, but that's going to be a problem we got to figure out. And it's never a bad thing to have too many good pieces. I mean, look at what the Dodgers are doing with all their platoons, all of this. Even the Nationals who just won the World Series, I think that this is going to be a guy that is going to find a the Angels are going to find a way to say you know what we're going to give you 120 games. You can play the field better. He's a better defender than Joe Adele. And I love Joe Adele, but he's a better defender. Um, high contact rate. The power is coming. This guy reminds me, for a long time, he reminded me of Colby Rasmus, who I thought, if he wasn't lazy, would have been an all-star almost every year. And and Brandon's not lazy. Now I'm seeing things, and I'm like, you know what? This guy's kind of like a Charlie Blackman kind of guy, and I don't think the Angels are going to find a way to part ways with that. I think that they see something really special in him, and if they do trade him, I think it's going to make sense for both organizations. I think it's going to be for a controllable arm. I don't think it's going to be a rental. And it, you know, if they do find a way to get rid of him, I think that the return is going to be worth it, and then everyone's going to be like, you know what? Hey, we're going to cheer Brandon Marsh on wherever he goes because he's that kind of guy. He's a great guy for the clubhouse great media personality. 
Um, this guy's the future. You know, he's someone that's really going to be special. And uh, I don't think the Angels are just going to part with him. I think that if, if he's a trade chip, I think it's for a pretty big piece. Yeah, I, I agree too. Especially with all the off the field stuff, I seen it firsthand. Um, talks to everybody. I mean, we were at, like I said, Arizona Fall League, and, and the guys are work are walking from uh, the field to where the their locker rooms are, and it's a little bit of a walk. And you know, he's out there talking with everybody, every kid, every every adult, every you know, and just kind of chatting it up, and is always willing to you know joke around with 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 kids around in the outfield always seems to be that that's that that certain thing you need in the dugout to keep things light like i said when he was at Inland empire we saw him more than a handful of times but he was always the guy uh keeping it real lively in the dugout keeping it you know if they did like a post-game interview he'd be the guy in the background trying to do a photo bomb or he'd be the guy trying to dump a gatorade bottle or gatorade uh jug over someone like you know he's the kind of guy that he's great in the outfield, but I think what he does in that locker room is going to be really underrated until maybe he does get to the Angels and people see it on a day-to-day basis. So here's my last question, guys. One thing on. we keep hearing <laughs> – I know. I had to You're prepare good. myself mentally. It's getting late. Um, the million-dollar question for the Angels farm system is about pitching. Now, I've heard you, Taylor, mention pitching. and Can you give us – both of you give us an overview now of the pitching in the organization. Is there – talent down that pipeline that Angels fans can look forward to? And if so, who? Yeah, I mean, I've got two guys that I think are sensational guys that could end up in the rotation. Um, but Dan, I mean, before I get into, I mean, I can, I'm suddenly pulling in 10, 15 names off the top of my head. Dan, take it away, man, because I think you're going to take my two guys and I'm fine I, with you doing it. I was about to say, are you sure this time? Because last time it worked out. Let's see if I can think of someone different. But um, as far as names that have, you know, I think, you know, maybe not right away, right away, but down the line, um, Aaron Hernandez had a great, you know, uh, Arizona Fall League. Chris Rodriguez is also a name that keeps on popping up if he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy. So um, Chris Rodriguez, I think, can be a guy, again, eventually, not obviously not right away. Hopefully he gets back on the mound during spring training and is able to stay healthy for a full year, which he hasn't been able to do, which is kind of a red flag, but you know, from everything you're seeing and everything you're hearing from from people, he's definitely a guy that can can get to that level. It's just um, you hope for the health and, and you hope that you know no more major surgeries are in this future. But you know, uh, you know, I think I'll probably say Chris right now for something to look forward to in the future, not necessarily right now. Yeah, and Chris was the first guy that came up to my mind. Who I've had people tell me that when he's healthy, he's a top hundred prospect. I mean, this guy is a very special arm. And he reminds me, I mean, his comparison of Vince Velasquez is eerily similar. Um, Jose Soriano is a really special electric arm. He's so young, and the way that he's made progress through the Midwest League, and he'll be in the California League next year where I think a lot of Angels fans kind of start tapping into prospects a little more because they're closer to home. They get to see him firsthand. I think that Jose Soriano is a guy. Um, And then you start going down the list. I think we're going to see Luis Madero at a point next year. Um, we're going to start seeing a lot of guys that are relievers, such as, you know, you mentioned Aaron Hernandez, Kyle Bradish. Um, but I think that this last draft kind of brought in so many unique arms. Um, Kyle Brnovich, uh, Garrett Stallings, um, I'm going through, um, Davis Daniel, Kyle Molner, who is a 26th round pick. Um, I think all these guys, even if they end up relievers, you're getting arms. 
And that's such a vital piece. Now, we're not talking about immediate right now. I think when we're talking about immediate, it's a lot of guys that are going to be relievers like Beasley, Matson, DeHorta, Rhodes, uh, Jeremy Rhodes, that is. But, yeah, I mean, Chris Rodriguez, my gosh. I, this guy is if, – if he can be healthy, he is going to be a piece of the Angels rotation within two years, in my opinion. All right, guys. So I'm going to start with Dan here. Dan – Tell folks where they can find your podcast, they can find you on, on social media, anywhere else. Yeah, so for podcast, the All Angels podcast, pretty much you can find it anywhere you find this podcast, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts. And if you want to get a hold of us, we have an Instagram and a Twitter account, both under the same name, Halo underscore Haven. Um, but yeah, so we've had a couple of interviews these last couple of weeks. So if you want to go, especially with some of these minor league players that names that we've thrown out tonight, uh, definitely go check it out. But pretty much, yeah, anywhere you can find this podcast, you can probably find ours also. Taylor, where can folks find you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at Taylor Blake Ward. You can follow Locked On Angels there as well. Uh, check out LockedOnAngels.com or LockedOnPodcast.com. If you're into any team, whether it's hockey, baseball, basketball, football, etc., uh, we have a Locked On page for you. So. We got locked on Rams. We got locked on Clippers, locked on Lakers, et cetera, et cetera. So um, whatever team you enjoy, go check out LockedOnPodcast.com. You want to check me out personally, it's at LockedOnAngels.com. And uh, we'd love to have you. We're on all the uh, major podcast outlets, Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, thanks, man. All right, guys, thanks for doing this. And, folks, you can follow me on Twitter at DC Plug and find Talking Halos at Talking Halos. We're also on Facebook. And of course, anywhere podcasts can be found Spotify, Spreaker, all those places. So for Dan Taylor, this is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. Make sure you catch the other two parts of the Angels Podcast Summit on Locked on Angels, All Angels, and of course, our episodes here on Talking Halos. We're out of here. We'll see you next time. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.